Hi everyone, um, welcome to the Real World Behavioural Science Podcast. Uh, I'm here again with the Director of Public Health at Hertfordshire County Council, Jim McManus, and also Professor Susan Mickey, who is the Director of the Centre for Behaviour Change at University College London. And we're continuing a mini-series of behavioural and social science approaches that are relevant to the coronavirus um, to provide some use to professionals and to the public uh, in how to how to sort of uh, make sure we use sensible approaches and proportionate responses to to what's going on. Um, so I suppose what's, what I'd really like to cover today, guys, is um, the first question, which is what what are the most important behaviours that we should be thinking about with regard to the spread of the coronavirus? There's been a lot of emphasis on uh, hand hygiene and um, keeping the skin of the hands completely disinfected. And that's really important. However, there's two routes to transmission. One is uh, getting one's hands contaminated by touching surfaces or one's own eyes, nose, mouth or sneezing into one's hands. But the other is directly uh, droplets through other people coughing and sneezing. Um, So it's absolutely vital to keep hands clean. But also it's really vital to ensure that those coughs and sneezes are into tissues Um, and that people don't touch their eyes, nose and mouth because that's how the virus gets into the body. And the other key set of behaviours is if one feels one might be ill, uh, do not go into work, do not go where other people are um, because we're going to get into a situation where a lot of people are infected without symptoms and even at the beginning of those symptoms, there's something people can do, remove yourself from other people. So we need to begin thinking about not just how to protect ourselves, with um, cleaning our hands, but protecting ourselves with the um, eyes and nose and mouth Mm. touching and also protecting others um, from your possible contamination. Because whilst you might not be at risk, your grandparents, your parents or grandparents very likely could be. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Jim, what I was going to ask you about is it's it's really um it's a really good point Susan about people staying home if you're not well. But for I mean particularly you know there's been a lot of of, of um, rhetoric at the moment about who who is most affected by that. So people who are, you know, self-employed or people who are um, on a gig economy zero hour contracts and people like that. They're the people that are probably most vulnerable to wanting to go into work when they may have symptoms because they don't have um, they won't get paid if they don't. So how, how is that being, you know, what's the advice to them, Jim? So there, there are some national policy issues here that I think government has said it will try and sort around, uh, and the Department for Work and Pensions has issued benefits advice okay. on people on zero-hour contracts, claimants and everything. So if in doubt, go and talk to your Citizens Advice Bureau. Right. But, uh, you know, by which I mean phone them up, don't go in, yes. or send them an email. Um, I think that's really important. Um, because the biggest disincentive um, is actually if it's just economically impossible for you to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, I also know that food banks are offering to help um, up and down the country where they can with people who end up in hardship because of this, which means there's a safety net. Um, And I know that the faith communities are mobilising. But uh, uh, to get back to the kind of of psychological point about this... um, for me, I absolutely agree with what Susan's saying. I think that you have to get into a mindset of, I could be infected, everybody could be infected, and therefore I'm going to deny this virus any vector to get at the people I, who are vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, and the people I care about. And that's not just, as Susan says, the the coughing, but it's um, 
it's things like, well, it's not just a sneezing into tissue and washing your hands. It's things like making sure you don't get coughs on surfaces. It's making sure you keep surfaces clean. That old message, I think Susan talks about, coughs and sneezes spread diseases. Mm-hmm. So great that we're getting into hand hygiene. We have to get into the attitude of there are more things we need to do. And if you assume that everybody could be infected and you could be infected, mm. um, which we used to do for flu, we've just got complacent about yeah then um, actually taking responsibility for that. So I, I have a, uh, an 81-year-old mum. If I go and visit her, I need to make sure that I wash my hands before I go in and that I don't cough on any surfaces. And if I do, I clean the surfaces. And I don't... Um, I try to protect her from from coming into contact with the virus if I've been exposed to it. I think I think that's that's being seen. Like Susan, you mentioned that people are really taking on the message about the um, the hand washing. And I was in London last night, and people on the tube are are holding the, the tube rails with sleeves and all that sort of stuff. So it's obviously on people's minds. And I saw someone sneeze without his hand over his mouth, and everyone looked at him. And so there was some social pressure to sort of make sure you conform uh, to, to to that. And you mean without um, tissues over his mouth? I hope. Well, yeah, well, it was... Sneezing into a hand is not a good idea. He didn't even sneeze into his hand. He just sneezed openly in in the tube as well. This is not on the tube, but just in the, you know, while we're waiting on the platform and everyone was sort of aghast when they saw him. But so that's what that means is that guy didn't necessarily get the idea, but everyone around him is obviously tuned in to the messages because they were, you could see they were visibly disturbed by by what had happened. But what's interesting... Sorry to interrupt, but in that situation, what's helpful is if people actually, rather than just glare in a threatening way, if somebody could get a a packet of tissues out their bag and say, Mm -hmm. would you like a tissue? You know, so you're giving feedback in a socially constructive way or, you know, somebody sneezes out, would you like some hand sanitizer? So I think the more we can begin giving feedback in a non-confrontational way, the more Mm -hmm. we can spread this quickly uh, through society uh, and i think that's a really important point because it's about pro-social behavior so yeah. as susan says giving someone a tissue or some hand sanitizer reinforces the norm in a positive way reinforces it isn't blaming the person although the implication will be obvious mm. and you're actually doing something useful and the more we do that and the more we model it what we know about modeling behavior is people follow it and I think yes, the other yeah. thing is the is the having alternative greetings other than the handshaking. Um, so, for example, with my children now, when I see them, because it, you don't want to just stop any contact with people, what I'm doing is giving a hug where I touch the back of their shoulders with my hands and keep my face away from their face. So you get good physical contact, um, but no viral transmission. Yeah, these are all really, really useful. And... and, and um, as I mentioned before, you know, watching the Premier League players not shake hands, it's all it's all reinforcing the message that that there are, you know, we, we don't need to sort of conform to old social conventions. And and I think what, what some people have mentioned is that they're worried that those things are rude or, or discourteous. But actually, in this situation, like you said last time, Susan, making a bit of a joke of it is actually a really good way of sort of bringing it up and putting it out there that you're not being rude. You just, you know, we're all not doing that anymore at the moment. Perhaps we should remember that as human beings, most of our communication is nonverbal. And the issue about that is that eye contact and facial expression makes up a significant amount of communication. 
Um, now I know I sometimes sit looking vacant because I'm thinking about other things, but um, we were discussing this recently with the mosque about you know people giving each other and greeting each other physically. Well, actually, if people are saying you know um, the, the greeting uh, in Arabic of hello and smiling at one another and making that kind of eye contact, that can be every bit as pro-social and every bit as affirming as shaking hands, hugging and kissing, if it's done in the right way. And, and is there, so I want to bring us back to something that you mentioned before, um, Susan, which was about shifting the narrative from being, it's not about whether you get it or not, it's about whether you may end up passing it on to, to someone else, your elderly parents or, or grandparents. Um, and is there something from a behavioural perspective or maybe from a sociological perspective even, uh, Jim, in, in shifting the narrative from being you know, about you, but, but being more altruistic and thinking about others and, and pulling together as a, as a community and as a, as a country? Well, I, th- I think there is. I mean, what we've been talking about so far has been um, do people know what they should be doing, the kind of capability? We've also been talking, Jim's been talking about the opportunity. Do people really have the opportunity to do what they're being asked to do, like self-isolate and, and not go to work? But then there's also uh, the motivational piece. And yesterday, um, I was I was slightly horrified to hear on the radio um, people being interviewed at the Cheltenham Festival, um, being completely blasé, saying, you know, no, it never crossed our mind not to come, you know, basically thinking this is all a lot of fuss about nothing and it doesn't really matter. And so I think an incredibly important thing to motivate people is it may not matter for you, but... Um, what's likely to happen if we don't really um, crack this and change these behaviours very, very quickly throughout the whole of society is the epidemic will peak at a time when our healthcare services are being completely overwhelmed and uh, people may be in a situation of getting very sick and not getting the healthcare that they require. So we absolutely need um, to delay the peak of the epidemic but also flatten it Um, and we can do this by all changing our behaviors Um, so it may not have made any difference to all those people being interviewed at Cheltenham but it could make the difference between life and death for their grandparents so what we do now will influence how many people die in a few weeks time and I don't think that's an over exaggeration so I think we need to get that message across uh, to everybody you know, wash, I, your, wash, your ha- wash your hands for your gram kind of approach um, should go into branding susan um I, i'd agree i think i think there are there are there are several key points to be made about motivation and the one that susan's made about we have a duty to care for the most vulnerable and we all know people who are vulnerable whether it's because of asthma or diabetes or or age and we need to protect them because they are the ones who will suffer most. The ones who are likely to suffer least in this epidemic are the ones who are the most noisy, actually, uh, and the most shrill, and the ones most likely to panic by, because people are most vulnerable, can't get out to the shops quite as easy. Mm. I think the second point about motivation is we have a duty to care for each other. Uh, and And as a society, I think... At a strange time, we seem to care for the environment, but we become strangely disconnected from each other as human beings, um, partly because of technology and partly because of social norms that we all wander around in our own little atomistic intersectional bubble. Um, that isn't helping us. Actually, that's making us more vulnerable 
And the the third point is, as Susan makes, I think there's a real implication for that. If we overburden the health service with vulnerable people, it will not be able to care for you if you have a health issue, coronavirus-related or not. So stop being so selfish and actually yeah. look at your motivation and recognize we have a responsibility to one another. Being a citizen is not about rights. It is about responsibilities and rights balanced together. And the pendulum has swung too far away from that. Stern word there from Sorry. Jim. Sorry. <laughs> for those said. people who went to Cheltenham, stern words from Jim. <laughs> um, but I, I, what I, um, I'm really interested in going back to what you said there, Susan, about flattening the curve and, and you, Jim, as well. Um, can, you, can we just talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that's really important for people to understand. And I saw a graphic of that on, on um, social media today. But could we try and just unpack what flattening the curve means? So, so is, that, is that about it being a part of the weather and it becoming, you know, becoming a bigger issue when it's warmer and that's better for us? Or is is it just about not overwhelming services? I, th- I think the weather thing is a moot point. We're not, we're not quite sure yet, and 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 I I'm, I wouldn't I wouldn't go fully on the science of that. I think flat, flattening the curve is a traditional thing that you do in big epidemics, mm-hmm. um, and it basically slows the number of infections so it doesn't overtop the healthcare service capacity or the social care service capacity. So, so is that about Jim? Just to pick up on that, is that about then? not diminishing our resources to deal with the serious cases and and therefore unnecessarily causing people who could otherwise have been treated if they had the resources and you know i'm talking about people and partly it's actually about enabling the country and the system to run business as usual because actually outside coronavirus we've got people with tb and 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 other major needs um so we need to keep the health service and social care running um, and it's also partly about not having so much demand that the system just breaks down completely, as it did in China before they started building all these hospitals. Um, so that's the key thing. And obviously the methods of that are the more you prevent infections or delay infections getting to you, even if you can't 100% prevent them, the fewer cases you'll get and the fewer ill people you'll get. And the longer we span this out the more likely the health service will be able to ramp up and cope with it, as social care as well and housing. And the longer we ramp it up, um, well, it gives us more chance that a vaccine will come later this year at the very earliest. I don't hold out, you know, we're told by the chief medical officer, vaccines and antivirals don't hold out hope now. But we will know more about it, and that knowledge is important to fight it. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening um, in North Italy with these very high death rates um, draws attention to what happens when the hospitals get completely overwhelmed. Um, so I think we need to learn the lessons very quickly from that. And for any health professionals listening to this, I think it's really important to be able to explain to patients or you know friends, colleagues, whoever, exactly how these epidemics work, because if we remember just a couple of weeks ago, we only had a few cases, but those few cases each spread to several cases. And so the whole thing accelerates up. And this is where where you get this, this curve of the number of people who are infected. The more that are infected, the more potential they have to infect lots of other people. Um, And so there's this traditional thing where it goes really, really high, um, overwhelms the health services, and then a significant number of the population are then infected. And then what's called herd immunity sets in with those who haven't been affected, have maybe had it mildly, they're not going to get affected. And the whole thing 
uh, dies down again. But we absolutely need to stop this peak happening because we know that the NHS at the moment is absolutely creaking under uh, what it has to deal with without any additions uh, from coronavirus. So we need to make the increase as, as flat as possible and delay it as much as possible so we get past the um, winter flus, the other winter flus and the other, you know, cold associated kind of health problems. Okay, fantastic. So what I want to do, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground there in um, a relatively short amount of time. I want to keep these these shows relatively short and snappy. So what, what are the what are the, the the sort of three takeaway messages for people to take from what we've discussed today, in your opinion? Susan, why don't you start and then, then we'll come to Jim. Okay, I would say uh, think about how virus is transmitted. It's transmitted through the air from one person to the other, not just through hands. So remember about the tissues and remember about not touching your nose, eyes or mouth, as well as keeping your hands disinfected. The other thing is that the importance of doing this now and everybody doing this giving feedback to do this so that we don't overwhelm our health services and end up with a situation where people may be dying who otherwise wouldn't have. It sounds dramatic, but I think this could be the case, which really focuses our mind now. And the third thing is um, to really begin trying to get, as Jim was outlining, a cultural shift in us caring for each other and recognising that it's going to be our parents and our grandparents um, who are really going to suffer as a result of us potentially being selfish and just going around with business as usual. And I like the term that you use for that, like it's a duty not to infect. Um, so it sort of a, yeah. brings it back to a moral sort of thing of, of it's your duty to, to sort of be you know, diligent and make sure you don't pass it on to other people. Um, and Jim, have you got any closing um, points that you think people should take away other um, than those? Think about what you would want for the most vulnerable person you care about and do and behave in a way that will stop the virus getting to them and behave in a way that encourages others to stop the virus getting to them. So it's not just the coughing, it's not just the... Uh, washing your hands it's the making sure about the surfaces being clean it's also about making sure that if you see other people not behaving in this way you reinforce positive behavior in a positive way give them a tissue that kind of thing um so that's the key point from me um because actually if the health service isn't there for them and they become infected and very ill what will you do Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Susan and Jim, for another interesting um, chat about what's going on right now in the country, what people are talking about. Um, what I'm, uh, we, we'll, we'll obviously be doing, um, uh, as I said, a mini series of these. So we'll be picking up a lot of the issues that we're hearing about, we're seeing on social media, seeing in the papers and on the news, uh, and trying to de- sort of talk about those things from a behavioural and social perspective as we have today. So uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Should be out in the next few days um and i look forward to talking to you both uh soon pleasure okay just want to say thanks again there to jim and susan for another great show and um, the reason that we're making these incidentally is so that we can make sure that there's good evidence-based guidance going out there for professionals but also for the public um, and for professionals to use with the public as well so 
please do get in touch with me on Twitter if you have any questions, if you have any comments, or even if there's other people that you would love to hear interviewed on the show. So what are the issues that you're facing in your work? What are the issues you're facing if you're a member of the public listening to this? And we'll make sure we go and find guests that that reflect that and make sure that we put experts onto the show to make sure we give you um, evidence-based guidance always. So I'm on at Stu underscore King underscore HH on Twitter. So please do send me along any comments or questions that you've got. And in the meantime, stay safe. Um, Make sure you're looking after people around you, as the the guys said today. And um, the next show will be out in the next few days.